Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and I have an executive membership at Costco. Oh, Conrad, you're so executive. And I'm Jesse, and sometimes I like to do a little calculus for fun. Weird. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. So Conrad, what are we chatting about today? Well, today we're going over hardest commands in the Bible to follow. Two, three, four. Hardest commands in the Bible to follow. Actually, I find all the commands in the Bible easy. Hardest commands in the Bible to follow. I just told you they're all easy. I do them all. And great coupon. So what's the deal with hard commands in the Bible? For some reason, Christians think it's really hard to know God's will because they try to feel God's will instead of just doing a tiny bit of scripture reading. But the hard part isn't knowing what God's will is. That's actually the easy part. The hard part is obeying God's will. So today we're going over the hardest commands in the Bible to obey. Preach it. Yeah. So hit me with one of those commands. Okay, so I find probably the hardest command that for most people to follow, including myself, is... In everything, give thanks. Amen. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. But let let me put it a little bit of context first. So starting at verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. So Jesse, here are the things that I complain about. It's a hard thing to follow. It's a hard command to to follow. So I'm excited. Here we go. Here are the things I complain about. And it's mainly revolving around people. Yes. I complain about bad drivers all the time. Amen. Specifically when they drive in the passing lane and they're not passing in the passing lane. (laughs) There's a reason why it's called the passing lane. Makes sense to me. And then also drivers who, for some reason, after they're at a red light and it turns green, that they're like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? (laughs) Where where am I at? Oh, I'm at a red light waiting for it to turn green. Let me wait 10 seconds before I go. People lose their minds. (laughs) I don't understand what they're doing. Also... Whenever uh, you just go to pay for something, like at a store, you actually go out there to buy things. You don't get it for free. Right. So you should basically know that you're going to be paying with some type of money right. or a credit card. So you know all the time that you're sitting there waiting in line, you could use that time to take out your wallet and your credit card. <laughs> and I go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to pay for this thing that I'm at the store for. Thank you. Hey, it's not a surprise party. Get your wallet out. Yeah, like I try to do the same thing at the gas station. Like I try to have my wallet out and my credit card out even before I get out of the car. In fact, I have this little insane game that I play that if I get there at the same time as somebody else, I try to see how many gallons I can get in my car before they even start. And my record is 11 gallons before the other guy even started. Yes. I treat it like a NASCAR pit stop where every second counts. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting lapped. <laughs> uh, don't people know I'm how important time. it is? I'm <laughs> Put the gas in my car. Okay, and the last thing is when my dog gets up really early in the morning to go potty. That's rough. I, I hate it when he gets up at 5.20 in the morning because I want to sleep. That struggle is real. It is real. Okay, so here are some results that come out of our complaining. So when we're complaining, there are things that we're doing and things that we are not doing. So the first thing that we're not doing, for one thing, is obeying God, like obeying this passage. But it's not just that. Number two, another result of our complaining is sometimes when we are complaining, we are actually trying to get other people to get on our side so that they can complain along with us. So we're actually causing other people to sin 
with our complaining. For sure. And then the last part of complaining is we're also setting an example. For one thing, like let's say you're, you're, in, you're in your car and you hit traffic and you have your kids in your car and you're like, oh, I hate traffic. Blah, blah, blah. So basically what you're doing is you're telling your kids this is the correct response for a Christian parent to have whenever adversity comes up. Right. And then not only that, like on the internet, especially on Facebook or whatever, when Christians get on there and complain, what are they doing? They're setting an example for everybody, including non-Christians, of this is how Christians react to adversity or when things go wrong. This is how much trust and faith that they have in their supposedly almighty God. For sure. Okay, so how do we turn all this stuff around? How is it possible to give thanks in all things? That's that, a good question. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's a major one that we have to answer. And in a, a different podcast, we actually went over what is the purpose of our suffering. Right. And what was that in one word? Sanctification. And what does that fancy word mean? It means that we are trying to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, become more like Jesus. Right. So basically anything where it says in Romans 8:28, all things work together for good of them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. And then you go to the next verse, basically to be conformed to the image of his son. So God is trying to make us more like Christ in both character and obedience. So we can be more like Christ by being, having more of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, jealousy, self-control, also humility. And then obedience is basically just obeying Bible verses, like love God and love others. Right. So God is like a spiritual personal trainer who is having you do, run laps and do push-ups to build up your strength so you can be as strong as Christ. So we know that that's what God is doing. Should we complain about that? No, it's getting that proper perspective that'll understand he's doing something good with this stuff. Exactly. And getting the proper perspective is key in all this. And this is what I think most Christians don't understand is God can use anything. It says all things to make us more like Christ. And also a lot of people just don't understand that God is trying to make us more like Christ. They just think, oh, it's just problems and everything. And he is using all things because he's big enough and sovereign over all those little details. So while it may sound strange that we would pick on complaining in the car about traffic, if we can't handle traffic yeah. and see that God can even use something small and mundane like that to mm -hmm. challenge our attitude in that moment, then what hope do we have that we're going to be able to handle the bigger stuff yeah. that he gives <laughs> yeah. us? Nothing. Yeah. And the example I always like to use is, um, is the red light. So coming into the next part. So here's examples. We'll walk you through some examples of how God can sanctify you in a bunch of things. Let's do so it. So now all, when you're thinking about how God is sanctifying you, think of the fruit of the spirit first. Okay. So super easy thing, hitting a red light, which fruit of the spirit could God be growing in you? Oh man, for me, that's straight up patience, okay. especially if I have somewhere to be, even if it's sometimes I hit all the red lights on the way to church and I'm like, God, why does this, not, why does this seem backwards? Yeah. Open up, let my people go through the green lights. <laughs> and then same thing with when you get stuck in traffic due to an accident, like same thing. So to me, just being in traffic is a great way to work on becoming more like Christ because Absolutely. it's so easy to think about. Uh, what about if you drop your phone and your phone breaks? I'm going to go with kindness. That's really? what I need in that moment. Yeah, because I, that makes me so angry, like angry at myself, angry at the world that I just want to be mad. Yeah. Instead of being loving, I want to be mad because I yeah. did something dumb. And then you want everyone else to feel your anger. Right. I just want to kick the phone. Yeah. Or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not too bad. <laughs> okay. What about politics? <laughs> oh my goodness. With politics, that's big, 
amount of patience for me. Yeah. I, I need to be patient with the, knowing that God has that under control. Like he's big enough to handle that. Yeah. And I don't need to like get all bent out of shape about a lot of things. Yeah. And I think that to me, Christians just that they have the hardest time not complaining about politics for or sure. getting upset about it. Uh, and what about if you get sick? Um, just trusting in God is hard when you're sick, mm-hmm. I think. Which fruit of the spirit can he be growing in you? Again, it would be patience for me. So a lot of these things are actually just patience. Like they right. don't have to be different. Right. Like half the times it's just, we're just impatient people. For sure. And to me, a lot of times it's self-control at the same time because now we're impatient and now we want to yell and be angry. So a lot of times I kind of put patience and self-control together right. as God's trying to grow both of those things in me. Okay, so here is another observation a mind-blowing observation that I have about complaining. We complain about the very blessing that God has given us. That just blew my mind. So let's just go through the exact same scenarios. Okay. Red light. What is the larger blessing that we're missing when we complain? Just the fact that we're sitting in a red light likely means we have a vehicle and that's a blessing in Mm -hmm. and of itself. Yeah. And then we're probably on our way somewhere to buy something. We have the money to do that or we're on our way to work and we have a job. Or maybe you're in the car with a loved one. Just having somebody with you to wait yeah. In that time. That's is a blessing. Yeah. That's fellowship time. Right. Okay. So um, what about your phone breaks? Again, that's just appreciating the fact that God gives us good things. Like we don't, we don't really need fancy phones mm-hmm. to survive, but the fact that he gives them to us is great. Yeah. And then you had the money to buy the phone. Exactly. And we live in a country that actually has cell phone service. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what about politics? When, when your, your um, politician doesn't get elected, what is, where, what's the larger thing that we're missing? Sometimes we just need to be thankful that we actually live in a country where we can represent our opinion by mm-hmm. voting and that we have a say in the political process. That is a huge blessing yes. that and, most of the world doesn't have. And yeah, we're not even persecuted in our country. And when we get sick, I think the larger blessing that we're missing is that we have life to begin with. And of course, because of sin, we're all going to die. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we're going to get new, better bodies. Right. But the problem is we want stuff now. We want earthly stuff. Now listen to this verse from Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So basically, whenever we're complaining, we're complaining about losing this stuff that we want, this earthly stuff. Right. But what does it say uh, right after that? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. We'll figure out what that means. But basically, every situation is a spiritual event where you need to make a spiritual decision to either thank God or not. So let's get back to this verse of storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How and what does that mean? So what that really means is that according to the Bible, like 2 Corinthians 5.10, basically it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So you pair that with the storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven and also verses like Revelation 20.12, it basically says every single spiritual decision you make has eternal significance because we are rewarded for our obedience. Right on. So our obedience is essentially love God and love others. And giving thanks to God is a part of loving God because loving God, our definition of loving God is praise, thanks, and obedience. So not only are you being obedient, you're actually, it's obedience to give thanks, which is love for God. Right. So it's almost as if in every day we get these little opportunities to obey God which help us store up treasures in heaven, and we become obedient by practicing gratitude and thankfulness. Exactly. So why would we complain when God is actually giving us an opportunity, like at a red light, to actually give him thanks, to praise him, so that it will have eternal significance by storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven? That's awesome. 
store up those treasures. Yeah. So we have to change our outlook on situations. Every single event is a spiritual situation to either obey God more and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven or to disobey and forfeit those treasures. And even when we find that kind of obedience hard, it's the fact that we can change our minds that allow us to change our hearts Mm -hmm. for God to work through that, to connect those two. And that's huge. Yeah. And so it it is changing your mindset. And yeah, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to hit a lot of red lights and you're still going to screw up. But the thing is, try to change that mindset and then use that time in the car at red lights to go, you know what, I'm going to start with the little things so that I can grow in the bigger things. I'll be ready, prepared when bigger situations come along. So here's the thing about when you're working on complaining. It's not enough to just not complain. So complaining is a sin, but also to not give thanks is a sin. Yes. So that's the thing. We have to do the positive obeying of the give thanks. It's not enough just to not lose your cool. You have to actually give thanks when something hard and difficult comes along. So um, here, here's one verse that I think is really telling. Romans 121 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Right. So people always think about sin as a sin of commission where you commit a sin, like stealing or punching senior citizens in the face. And who hasn't done that? Yeah, I know. We, we, all, we all have. There's room for everyone. <laughs> so what about the sin of omission? That's not doing something you're, you're supposed to. So you can sin in two different ways. You can sin by doing something like committing tax fraud, or you can sin by not paying your taxes. One is doing commission. One is omission. So to be obedient, to give thanks, we have to have two things. You have to have the character of Christ to have patience and all that to not lose your cool. And then you have to go to the next step and actually give thanks. So here's the application. So when you're about to complain, you have to figure out which fruit of the Spirit God is growing in you. Use red lights to do this, to, to work on this. Number two, figure out the larger blessing that God has given you that you feel that part of it is being taken away when you're at that, in that situation. And then my third application, and this is a big one, is do not complain in front of your kids ever. And then do not complain on social media ever. That's good advice. You're bringing down the name of Christ. And also you're showing how much faith you are actually putting in the God of the universe who saved us. So please don't do that. Just stop it. Stop it. Uh, So here's my 15 second fast God stuff summary. Giving thanks in all things is only possible because of God's loving plan to make us more like Christ through all events in life. So let us stop being whiny, ungrateful brats. And show a little bit of faith to the God of the universe by focusing not on what we're losing, but rather on what we are gaining, which is growing to be more like Christ so that we can love God and others more. So, Jesse, what do you think is one of the hardest commands in the Bible to follow? Well, I think that often the most difficult commands in the Bible are the ones that are the easiest to understand, or at least the most straightforward and direct. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was an expert at cutting through religiosity to make things, the plain things, the main things. So in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is in the middle of his teaching ministry and he's absolutely crushing it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's basically a rock star. He's blowing up social media. He's drawing large crowds. People are seeing the miracles he's doing. He's getting all this notoriety and attention. So he starts to explain to everyone, here's what the kingdom of God is like. In other words, how can you be saved from sin? How can you have abundant life? What does it mean to be a Christian? 
And what he says six times in the gospel is this, whoever wants to be my disciple must. And I imagine like, if you're listening to this, when you read this in the text, Mm -hmm. everybody's leaning in, like everybody's straining to say, like, what is he going to say? Because I want to know the answer to this question. So here's the most important message in the world. And we're getting the conditions for that most important message ever in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That is the hardest thing I could possibly think of in the Bible. And it's crazy. So here's an obvious statement that I think though it bears some consideration. At this point, Jesus had not been crucified. Right. So for us, because we live on the other side of the cross, we think of Jesus and the cross as like, chocolate and peanut butter. Like they just seem to go together. They Mm -hmm. make complete sense. But for these people, imagine that you're listening to this great prophet speak, speaking these amazing words of wisdom. And all of a sudden he's bringing up capital punishment and saying, so in other words, self-denial and cross-bearing clearly appear as key elements of a person's participation with Jesus. Jesus makes that abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a difficult command to follow. Like who even knows what that means to start with, right? right? Yeah. I think that's basically what we have to define here is what does it mean to deny yourself even before we get to uh, pick up your cross? Exactly. Right on. So here's what's interesting. The term that names that act of denying in Mark 8, which is what we just quoted from, that appears only one other time in the gospel of Mark. And it's actually in the story where Peter denies Jesus three times. Okay. Same word. So that gives us some kind of idea of what is meant in the proper context of understanding that word. So self-denial involves the relinquishment of an individual's autonomy. And that's really hard because it runs completely counter to our human habits, which we want to be self-preserving. We want personal advancement. Right. Yeah. And it really, you're like what you were saying, self-preservation. The way that I always look at denying self is Romans uh, 7, 8, basically where it's talking about our sinful nature, where it says, where like Paul himself here is talking, for I know that nothing good dwells in me in basically myself. Yeah, exactly. That is in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So basically it's saying that our self wants to do all this bad stuff where the spiritual side of us wants to do this good stuff. So denying yourself is essentially denying what you are naturally inclined to do. Exactly. Which is to please self. To be an idiot. Yeah. Basically. Be yeah. a spiritual idiot mm-hmm. is basically what we want to do. Right. And we, we just don't think that we're being idiots. We just want to be happy. But our definition of happy is totally wrong. Like God knows what's going to make us happy, which is loving God and love others. But we think we know what's, what's going to make us happy. And actually, it's kind of like Krispy Kreme donuts. Have you ever had them? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. actually. They're the greatest things ever, <laughs> especially if you can get them hot, like right out of the oven. I've heard legend. Like, seriously, I could eat a dozen of those things. It would make me happy right then, right? but it wouldn't make me happy in the long run. And that's the same thing with denying self. To me, it, denying self is denying spiritual donuts. Yes. Like stuff that you think is going to make you happy, but these spiritual desserts really are not going to make you happy. So examples of denying self is really trading self-centered stuff for Christ-centered stuff. So like less time on TV and sports, more time invested in your family. Less social media, more Bible reading, less entertainment, more exercise. It's really trading the sinful nature for the fruit of the spirit. So denying yourself really is a struggle that you do every hour of the day. And another reason why I find it so difficult to obey this commandment is denying oneself suggests a posture that really does not easily find models today 
within our culture that prefers the jargon of self-actualization, self-discovery, uh, yeah. or uh-huh. self-potential. Because we are the culture of the selfie. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily saying that you should stop taking selfies, but you should probably stop taking selfies yeah. so much. <laughs> and also, especially like stop caring about how many likes your selfie gets. Right. And how many followers you have. And like, you know, it's that I, I lo- like I like how you brought up self-actualization because, man, that that bugs the crap out of me is self-actualization. Like what is actually your what's what are your actual desires? My desire is to be famous you know, to be rich, to be loved by people. And what, that's what should be self-actualized, like all this selfish stuff. So self-actualization is just, it's like one of the worst things that you can actually ever do because you're just actualizing selfish things. It is. And this is the brilliancy of Jesus right here, because the word deny that he's using here to deny yourself, to disavow yourself, actually implies that there's something dangerous in agreeing with yourself, which uh is what you're saying. So This is the whole idea of get rid of any self-help books because I know that myself is awful. So that's the Mm -hmm. last thing I want trying to help me. Exactly. (laughs) I need something else besides myself. Yeah. It it makes no sense of a self-help book because how are you supposed to help yourself when you're the one who needs help? Right. It's like finding the least trustworthy person you know and saying, here is all my money. Go and do something good with it. Yeah. Or it's like the blind leading the blind. But you're blind and you're trying to lead yourself. And you're also blind. Yeah. (laughs) How many blinds was that? (laughs) Everybody's blind. So there's this paradox because what Jesus is describing is actually surrendering oneself, one's entire being in response to Jesus in order to gain true life, to experience the wholeness of salvation that Jesus offers in his proclamation of the kingdom of God. So that's what it means to deny yourself. It Mm -hmm. definitely does not mean as Kim Kardashian infamously did, publishing a book of a thousand selfies. That's like the exact opposite. Really? (laughs) She did that? Yes. I I seem to have missed it. (laughs) How did I miss that one? I thought I saw that on your coffee table. Yeah, I tried to hide it before you got here. (laughs) (laughs) So what does it mean, though, to then deny ourselves and pick up our cross? What do you Mm. think? Let me think. So... The first part, denying yourself, is, I think, putting to death the, the sinful nature and denying the sinful nature side of you so you can listen to the Holy Spirit. The picking up your cross, um, I think maybe I'll just answer from a practical perspective. I would imagine that picking up your cross daily, it has something to do with being obedient, being in God's word, being right. closer to him. Am I off with that? No, I think you're right on. Because part of answering this is understanding that it's hard to answer this. Because it would have been easier if Jesus had said, like, pick up your pillow, pick up your blanket, Mm -hmm. or even pick up your Bible. But he uses the cross, Uh which is strange and ugly and offensive and weird. If we can just be honest Mm -hmm. as Christians, it's a weird thing to say. It's an instrument of torture and of death. Exactly. So those who heard this, the first century audience living in the Roman Empire, understood the purpose of crosses. They were implements of death wielded by the state in a very public spectacle of capital punishment. Mm -hmm. And so again, for Jesus to kind of like slip it in or really just to broadcast, here's what being a Christian is like, go grab a cross and come after me. So that's a crazy thing to say. So we Mm got to understand what that means. And I think you're exactly right. So first taking up a cross means we're willing to resign our life. So in the first century world, crosses identified those judged of setting themselves menacingly against the ways of the Roman Empire. So they were standing against the world. They were standing against all the powers that resist the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And a cross was a clear representation of that. Okay. So as a Christian, 
To take up a cross is to recognize that the dominant and current trends of society stand opposed to the manner of our life and identity. Okay. We are different and we stand opposed to all those things that are not Christ-like. Yeah. And that's the thing like, that I see a whole lot is Christians just don't act any different than non-Christians. Exactly. And that's why it bugs me so much when you just see Christians complaining. Like back to my thing, it's just we, we have to be different. And it starts there with our attitude on even just the little things and how we show it to everyone else. So you can pick up your cross on Facebook by acting in a way that's totally different from everybody else yeah, right. by seeking joy, by looking for gratitude, mm-hmm. by being loving when everybody else is not, even if that you think they have good reason not to be, yeah. you can show that Christ-like character and that's picking up your cross. Yeah. And I think a lot of Christians kind of default to like, oh, when they think about culture and trying to change culture, they, they think politically, you know, they don't, they think like, you know, what's going on in America in, in a cultural context. When they're missing their local culture of just how they treat other people on Facebook. Exactly. Because the biggest rebellion is the one that's inside of us, like the closed handed fist that wants to resist God. So we have to ask that God would start there first. Mm -hmm. So just going out and complaining and just being a mouthpiece is not the proper way to change the world. Yeah. So in our attitude, in our behaviors, what we're basically saying is when you say no to yourself, that's the start of the process of saying yes to Jesus right. and to his kingdom yeah. and to the fruit of the spirit. So the question is, how do we do that? How do mm-hmm. we actually start to say, I want to actively beat down myself, deny or disavow myself and pick up my cross and follow Jesus? I mean, it's got to have shoe leather at some point. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just clanging symbols. Yeah. So I feel like an application is coming. Oh, you are what is so your application? right, comrade. Let's apply this. So the way that we do this is by getting ourselves marinated in God's truth. How do we do that? And the best way we can do that is by getting consistent exposure to the scriptures, which means opening it up every day, reading just a little bit and finding one thing in what we're reading to grab onto, Mm -hmm. to meditate and chew on throughout the day. Because this is difficult in that the way of self-denial and cross-bearing requires that we first acquire freedom from all of our natural patterns, that we first receive a new set of eyes, a new heart, a new understanding of who we are. And that can only come from outside of us, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that comes through God's word by the application of the Holy Spirit. So we also just cry out to God and then open our Bibles and receive from him the transformation. That's what he desires for us. And the most important act of self-denial that everyone should do is daily devotions. Like we can't say that we put God first in our lives if we can't deny ourselves for 10 minutes to listen to him through his word. So what I typically recommend to people who haven't started doing personal devotions yet is just downloading the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, because it comes with a daily reading program on it. Another option that I highly recommend is getting a chronological Bible. Have you ever read one of these? Yeah, it's so helpful. Chronological Bible puts the Bible in chronological order rather than than splitting up into the major prophets, the minor prophets, the poetry books, the historical books. And also, for example, when King David was being chased by his son Absalom, well, it would put the psalm that he wrote when he was being chased by Absalom right along the historical passage as it happened. So it makes the Bible make a lot more sense. It's a beautiful thing. So here's the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. The command to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily is difficult because we are sinful, selfish, and self-referent people. But Jesus does not pull any punches when he describes what it takes to follow him. Participation in the kingdom of God means that we must marinate in God's truth and ask the Holy Spirit to help us deny ourselves so that we can see outside of ourselves to love God and others. 
I couldn't even do a scale. (laughs) So I hope this has been a good reminder that even though knowing God's will is simple, obeying it is hard. Remember, Christ summed up all the commands in the Bible into love God and love others, which we can only do more if we grow to be more like Christ in both character and obedience. This sanctification is a lifelong process that requires self-denial and daily sacrifice, but it is worth it so we can fulfill our purpose, which is to love God and love others. That's it. That's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Also check out FastGodStuff.com for all kinds of content that will make you be obedient to every single command. You must obey. Until next time, love God. Love others. That's That's it. it. Two, three, four. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Thanks for listening. Fast God stuff is so awesome. Go sanctify yourself at Red Light. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. We totally didn't plan that. Jesse, do so well. I'm being sanctified right now. Well, it's your turn, Conrad. Here's with a solo. Listen to that self-control. I'm so grateful for this solo. Thanks for listening to Fast God Stuff. Love God, love others. This is fogged up. <laughs> <laughs>